Welcome to From A to Zigzag, a podcast featuring creative practices in Southeast Asia. Join me, Nadia Wang, as I chat with guests about the foundation of their illustrious careers and the decisions and happenstance that have shaped them. For today's episode, I'm pleased to be speaking with Chiki Lopa, co-founder of Art in a Park and Art Fair Philippines, and advisor to the PHX Fashion Group. Hi, Chiki. Hi, Nadia. Thank you for having me. Thank I'm you a little for bit nervous, but... <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> sure. Let's start at point A. Um, could you talk about your education in school that planted the seeds for your creative practice? Okay, I'm not sure if my education planted seeds. My education was pretty straightforward. Went for our degree, which at that time, um, let's figure out when or not say exactly when. Um, suffice it to say it's a few, it was a few years ago that felt practical in that I chose, uh, I went for a degree that seemed to guarantee regular employment um, and you know my when I while I grew up with a family that was big on books and I was a history geek I looked at art more in terms of its role in history rather than as something I could appreciate on its own don't get me wrong I knew the art greats from museum visits um, impressionists Leonardo Picasso the Filipino art greats Amorsolo um, Luna but did not particularly pay attention to contemporary art and I suppose neither did my family. Um, but right after getting married, uh, my husband and I moved to London for him to do his fellowship. He's a medical doctor. And this was in 1995 with the IBA, YBAs doing their shocking thing, you know, sheep and formaldehyde and all that stuff. So I had free time, signed up for us for summer courses in art history at the VNA Museum. And especially after our baby arrived there, the museums were the best places to hang out with an infant. So that's when I started immersing myself, I suppose. And I got bitten by the art bug and I knew that um, I could never look back. And um, so when I moved back, to, when we moved back here, I just um, got into it, got into um, cult cultural work and um, the art scene as well. Okay, so what was your first job, you know, back in the Philippines? Okay, my first real job was when I took um, at my junior year abroad in Washington, D.C., and I, I, I spent it at the George Washington University, and uh, I worked at the boutique, the IT boutique at that time, Benetton, <laughs> so that pretty much dates me. I did it more for the clothes, but I had fun, had a great time, uh, you know, um, we were like a multicultural group that was working um, together. And so, so that great memories about that time. My first real job, I guess, after university, I worked in advertising and in sales and marketing for hotels, the peninsula and the Shangri-La. And um, when I came back from London, joined a friend um, who had set up a business doing children's clothes. And so with her, we set up another brand called Orange Juice, which was really for preteen girls, clothing for preteen girls. And I pretty much ran that brand. Um, I was general manager, I was the designer. Um, I was the person who delivered clothes <laughs> to the different boutiques all over. So yeah, so, so it was actually while working with Orange Juice that I also indulged my love for art. I joined the Museum Foundation of the Philippines, founded Art in the Park um, while, um, after I was elected to the board of trustees of the Museum Foundation of the Philippines. So this kind of went on, running a clothing business, 
and um, working with Museum Foundation as a volunteer, as a member of the board. And actually, um, it was while going, you know, I, I went around visiting branches. So I go to a branch, let's say in Quezon City, and on the way back, drop by the galleries there. So it kind of like helped me um, indulge in my hobby or at that time, which was like passion for like for art. That sounds yeah. really cool. I mean, you are doing sort of these parallel tracks in fashion and art. Yeah, um, um, I guess something important also after founding Art in the Park, um, you know how it is when you're an addict, and you're like wanting and wanting and wanting to learn more about your passions. And at that time, there's not much coverage about, about the art scene, both locally and in Southeast Asia. So I decided to make my own coverage and did a blog um, I was, I took on the persona of Manila art blogger, and this went on for four years. Um, so what I did was um, I would write about exhibits that were happening, interview the artists, really um, try to like make art accessible, I guess, try to like talk about exhibits in a way that wasn't intimidating, that was easy for myself um, to like to understand and appreciate. And um, it was great as well. I got to know so many artists, did the rounds. I mean, it was it was very fulfilling doing that. And what made you decide, like, you know, I can do this, like this blog and, you know, um, and gave you that impetus to kind of like reach out to the artist yourself? Um, because there was nothing online. I mean, if you wanted to read about art exhibits or the gallery scene was kind of growing. So I don't know. Um, it was, a, it's what is a golden time, let's put it that way. Um, in terms of the coming together or the beginnings of the art ecosystem here. I mean, this was like, um, so we founded Art in the Park in the mid 2000s, 2006. Um, and then you had the gallery scene, which was just opening up. Um, galleries being founded really like, um, that were not in the malls. Um, and then you had the Singapore Biennale, being founded as well, um, SAM, the Singapore Art Museum opening up to Southeast Asian art. And then you had the auctions in Hong Kong with their own Southeast Asian art um, section. So, so, you know, you just felt you had to be part of it. And there was, there were like-minded people like myself, I guess, who were addicted <laughs> to art and um, wanting to talk about art, but there was no fora available to do so. So there, so I just did that. And um, yeah, as I said, it was quite fulfilling to do it at that time. I mean, now it's not necessary at all. I mean, there are publications like yourself, Art and Market, and here locally, I mean, CNN, um, a lot of the a lot of the the publications have regular features on on art. So so it's one so it's great that it's come to this. But at that time, maybe fifteen years ago, hardly anything. Right. I just want to say that, that it's about to rain here, so there's a lot of like thunder. But, <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, oh, so well, you might have been so about the rumbling. <laughs> but yeah, let's take it back to Art in the Park. I mean, how did the seed of that come about? Like, what made you do this event? Very simple. We had to raise money for Museum Foundation of the Philippines. Um, I was on the board, I was secretary of the board of trustees at the time. Um, before that, let me just say that um, with my friend, um, Lisa Periquet, we've, we sort of helped conceptualize a community market, uh, a weekend market in the, in, the, in the community we lived in, which was Salcedo Village in Makati. And um, we were about to celebrate 
the market's second anniversary. At the same time, we needed to raise funds for the Museum Foundation of the Philippines. And I remember the year before, the way we raised funds for Museum Foundation of the Philippines was to have a concert in a church and we had to sell tickets. And at that, after that, I said, I'll be damned if I have to sell another concert ticket because it's like too difficult. You know, it was a classical, it, it was a wonderful concert, but it was not easy to rope in my friends to, you know, to pony up and like buy tickets for this, for this event. So we said, why not just combine um, something we loved um, with a project that we were involved in already. So Lisa and I founded Art in the Park in 2006 with the Museum Foundation as the beneficiary. And um, I guess everything took off from there. Yeah. Um, for the, it was always um, going to be something that was affordable art because we wanted art to be accessible, something casual, something that was fun, more like a day out. Um, so it started out a parallel event of the market. So our time was something like eight to two. Imagine artists getting up at 8 a.m. Eventually, after a few years, it became so successful, it's kind of spun off into its own event. It was still in the same venue, a park in the middle of, the, of a community um, in, um, in Makati City, where we live. But it, um, it became big enough to have its own day and date, and it didn't have to be tied into the, the weekend market anymore. Nice. And how did then Art Fair Philippines come about? I guess, well, okay, so this was 2013 um, when, uh, so sometime maybe 2012. Um, at that time, I think the biggest art fairs in the region were Art Hong Kong, still Art Hong Kong, and um, art, art Stage Singapore. And um, as somebody who followed the art scene quite closely, it just felt that um, it was exciting that you have this Filipino galleries and Filipino Filipino artists making waves in cities around Asia, but the audience at home had no clue who, who these people were. And not all the galleries could participate in this, this regional fair. So um, in consultation with a group of galleries, we decided let's just do our own. Let's put up our own art fair. And, and so there, so that's how it happened. Mm. And what were like the challenges that you met with when you started this new edition? Okay, the first, I think most important was a venue. We really couldn't find one. We didn't know. We knew we wanted to do it um, where it was accessible, where it was easy for people to go to. And that had to be the central business district. If you're familiar with Manila, you realize how bad the traffic is. And we had to be in a place where it, we were near where people worked so they didn't have to traverse traffic. So we approached, um, to this day, they're still our biggest backers, the Ayala, the Ayala Group. And of course, they are the landlords in Makati. And with them, we went through the land bank, I think, of available spaces. And it was actually the um, chief executive of the Ayala Group that suggested the link, um, which was then a newish car park. I mean, it was already there. Um, it had a ceiling. <laughs> no, I mean, it was enclosed. I mean, we could figure out how to enclose it further to put an air condition. It, um, so, so there, that's how it started. Um, we did it in the car park and um, it worked. 
Yes, it does work. I mean, I, I mean, I, I remember the first time I visited um, Artfair Philippines and I thought it was so innovative, the use of the car park. I guess um, it's like you needed to invent a new space, right, for yeah. the art fair, but it became kind of like a, a defining kind of characteristic as well. Um, yeah. So could you talk also about then, you know, like going from, you know, Orange Juice to Art in the Park to Art Fair Philippines, how did each role, how did each project kind of give you new skills that you then moved into the next project? Um, I guess all my work experience came together <laughs> in putting together the art fair. I mean, what have I not drawn on? I think the discipline in working for, for corporations that demanded the highest level of performance, bosses that really pushed you, I mean, in terms of my corporate life. And then at the same time, I mean, running your own brand, you know, setting goals for yourself, at a certain level, I mean, it, it gives you a work ethic that um, serves you well in whatever whatever you do. And um, my hotel work in particular, I think, especially when you work with luxury brands, um, the Peninsula and the Shangri-La, for instance, and they expect a level of service or events that um, that that are you know, a certain level of excellence and you have to do it fast and you have to do it quick and you have to do it at a moment's notice. So you learn to hustle and charm people and like push everyone to like to deliver in a timely manner in a way that suits your standards. So all of that, um, all of those skills have come in handy in putting together the art fair. Mm. So it's funny, right? I mean, the truth is, I suppose after we work on the art vision and you know what art will show the rest of the things and putting the events together are logistics which has nothing to do with art <laughs> I yeah i see what you mean i mean there is all of these logistical aspects that don't sound very creative but of course you're constantly solving problems in a creative way as well um on that note could you talk about the team that you work with you know your co-founders um, as well as, I guess, the current team you're working with for these projects. Yeah. So like I mentioned, taking off from Art in the Park, um, and when we um, thought about doing an art fair, um, the, the corporation is called Philippine Art Events Inc., which is co-owned by myself and Lisa Periquet, and Dindin Araneta sits on our board. Um, that's, I guess we're a lean and mean team, <laughs> um, which... Um, works well sometimes, but it also, you know, um, it also kind of means a lot of pressure when when it's crunch time. So it, we're very hands on, I guess, from the visioning of how we want a fair to look. We we all it kind of we're kind of balancing our interests and what we feel strongly about that we should show. There's a lot of initial discussion before finally a fair takes shape every year, um, and um, so we're very hands on in crafting what this year's edition or a certain edition of the fair will be like and what the focus will be. And we try to translate that and try to get our team motivated to do it. We work with a lot of, um, doing the physical fair, we work with a lot of subcontractors who um, have come to feel like part of the family already. Um, they're not permanent members of the team, but they've come to feel part of the family. And then we have a group of um, young executives, I suppose, um, who, I, mean, I have to say, have um, not let us down yet. So, so we're very lucky in that sense. 
Yeah, it sounds like it. Um, you know, when you say that you're really hands-on and then how do you kind of like um, communicate with each other and how do you communicate with your, your team of younger executives? You know, how does the work flow among all of you? I guess always, the, we all agree, the overriding vision is always um, widening the audience for the visual arts. And um, if initially that meant simply introducing contemporary Filipino names to our audience. Our audience has caught up with us pretty quickly and they've, they've gotten um, more sophisticated. They, their tastes have evolved. It's like, and we're always seeking to introduce something new. The educational component of the fair is always very, is very important to us. So it's always, what can we bring new to the audience? What, what will they say, oh, wow. Um, Art can be like that, or hey, that's a global, the global art conversation and art for Philippines is part of it. So that, that is what we've kind of worked on in the beginning. And then um, as events shape up, it's, it's always towards that. So we work very organically, I guess, but with, um, with an overriding vision for the year. I don't know if that makes sense. <laughs> that totally makes sense. And, and it, it's the nice segue into my next question, which is about the recently concluded Art Fair Philippines. Um, what traditions did you keep for this edition? And what were its new initiatives? Uh, okay. Um, well, in 2021, we had no choice, right? We had to go online as, as everybody else did. And um, uh, but it didn't stop us from um, launching a new section of the fair, which was the residencies program. And that was quite successful as well. We did a huge focus on digital art, a huge push on digital art. Um, and, you know, welcoming the crypto art, Philippine crypto art community into the fold of the visual arts was also very exciting and um, very refreshing. So what did we keep? Our sections were all there. Um, our project section. We, okay, first of all, when we were thinking of planning 2022, we knew we wanted to move from a completely online version of the fair into something that would allow our visitors to enjoy art face-to-face, -face, live, physically, but in a way that would be safe, given that when we started planning this in July, June or July last year, we didn't know. I mean, we were at the height of the Delta variant surge in the Philippines. And we just felt, okay, we need to do something that's find a venue that would be outdoors and open and we could install works that could be appreciated in whether in small groups or if we were lucky enough, people could come in and see it regularly. So we were lucky. I mean, things opened up. But um, yeah, so so that was the that was the I guess the the purpose or that was the what we had to do for this fair. So we brought back um, traditional work, traditional art, in the sense that we had um, our project section installed at an open area in the central business district. But we also kept um, um, an exhibition of digital art, which we had introduced the year before. So both our AR trail um, and the film section we worked with, with Data, um, who are really proponents of digital work, digital art. We worked for them and that was a great success to photography uh, we were able to do. Um, they, they rose up to the challenge of doing something that would be an exhibition that um, would work outdoors and they did that. 
So yes, so we kept all of that. What we couldn't do was have the galleries in the same venue. We couldn't build the structure that, because we didn't, we didn't want um, anything indoors that would be congested. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, we had to push for gallery hops. Um, having the galleries mount their art fair exhibitions in their own venues and just pushing people to go out and see art. And like, um, I guess um, we thought of art trails where the projects in Ayala Triangle Garden would be one art trail. And then you would have each gallery hop as a different art trail. And it went on for 10 days. So you had enough time to go through all of these different trails and different art hops. So yeah, so that's how we made it work. And I, I think it did work, right? I mean, you know, how... Uh... Yeah, yeah um, we were lucky because things opened up. So the weekend before the fair, and the only thing was, of course, because things were changing all the time and things opened up almost like, what, two weeks or three weeks right before the fair. We had to like keep changing our plans and keep pushing. Like we were lucky enough, we were able to do a gallery weekend vernissage. So instead of like just a one day vernissage, we asked the galleries to open their exhibitions four or five days earlier so we could hit the weekend and people could go out and visit the galleries on the weekend before the, the project spaces in Ayala Triangle opened. So we pushed for people to visit the galleries and they said actually people came out to see, to see a lot of the shows. Um, there were pop-up exhibits as well from some of the non-Filipino galleries. Um, they rented spaces uh, in bars or, <laughs> or work with some of the local Filipino galleries to put up to put up their shows in their in their venues, so people came out and, and saw the gallery exhibits the weekend before the 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 installations in Ayala Triangle open, and then we opened Ayala Triangle Garden. So so yes, so it was a, I think a nice ten days of just um, enjoying art. Yeah, I mean, it sounds amazing. It sounds like you know you were really adaptable to the situation, and you came up with fantastic creative solutions. And also, the, it sounds like the community was also just right there with you, right? Um, everyone just kind of like pushed for what your vision was and made it happen. Yeah, no, I mean, hats off to the exhibitors. They, um, they put up great shows and um, they just um, trusted us, I suppose, and just um, went, went on with what, what we requested. And yeah. I think for most of them were very happy. I hope so. <laughs> um, what about for Art in the Park, which is taking place from um, 24th April to 1st May? Yeah. Um, what do you have in store for that? Okay, Art in the Park, again, start planning early. We didn't know where, okay, first of all, when Omicron happened in January, everything had to be pushed back. So the art fair had to be pushed back and Art in the Park had to be pushed to this time of the year which if you're familiar with the Philippines, it is like the hottest time of the year. So um, we didn't think we could subject our audience to, to, like, <laughs> to like a sweltering day in the park. Um, luckily it hasn't been so hot actually, it's been raining. But at the same time, we also, I think we're still worried about organizing something that would mean like huge crowds coming into one venue. So largely Art in the Park is still gonna be online, but um, we, we try to do something every day. There are um, video premieres every day with our special exhibitors. And we, have, we are organizing one day of live events on April 28th in the park where we normally have Art in the Park. 
So it's half a day really of, um, of activities um, with one of our special exhibitors, uh, Distort Monsters, who has an exciting project, which he calls Monster Mayhem Mega Mash. Um, it's a project where 100 of his work, which is available in 2D and in NFTs, um, it's going to be in the website. He's going to talk about that in the park. We have installations by a group that I must say 10 years ago debuted in Art in the Park, and now um, they're they, you know, the biggest names in Philippine art are actually part of that group, and they're doing an installation in the park as well, Studio 1616. We're also having um, the, a group of um, children's books illustrators who have joined Art in the Park from the beginning. They're going to be putting up a special exhibit in the park on that day as well. So yeah, it's a, it's a half day, so it's not quite the same as before, but um, we still invite people to come and enjoy half a day or an afternoon with us in the park. Yeah, it still sounds exciting, you know, to have sort of like an anchor physical event um, in an online yeah. kind of operation. <laughs> um, I wanted to also ask you about your work as advisor to PHX Fashion oh. Group. You, could you talk about that as well? Oh, that has been a very fulfilling role that um, started in 2019. Basically, what it is, is that um, I worked with a group of young fashion designers uh, in their 20s, okay, who have, who have, um, who have brands that they want to push and propel to, um, to a global level. And so um, in 2019, we organized uh, a conference, a physical conference, wherein the focus was how they could crack the Japanese fashion market. So, so it was a three-day event, um, a weekend event, wherein we brought in um, a, a showroom from, from Tokyo and um, gave them tips or gave them, took them through, a, took them through, I suppose, some sort of a masterclass in what they have to do to prepare their brands. And it was, it's proven to be successful. Um, last year, we had to shift online again in 2020 and 2021. But last year, the, some of those designers who joined that initial conference in 2019 were chosen to actually show in during Tokyo Fashion Week. And so, so that happened and um, we're already planning what we're going to do also later this year. Something along those lines as well. It sounds really exciting. And I mean, how do you, you know, how do you sort of balance your work in fashion and art or maybe how does, how do they kind of feed each other as well? Um, you know, from the time I, I did my blog to Art in the Park, um, I always see Art in the Park's the best day of the year for me <laughs> because I like working with a young artist and the sense of discovery and it's the same thing working with this um this young fashion designers they're very ambitious they're very clear on what they want and it's just so inspiring to hear what they want to do and how they've taken their brands and um, how they've embraced um the realities of today today you know I'm thinking of you know considering things like sustainability and carbon footprints and um, making that work into fashion. So, so I, I guess the energies are the same in that you're working with creative people um, and uh, people who are always showing you new things and um, it never gets boring. So, so that part I really enjoy. Okay. 
that sounds so good. Um, and I'm I'm really interested to hear more about the PHX Fashion Group. But I also wanted to ask you on a personal front, you know, I mean, you obviously love everything that you do, but I wonder if there's anything you would rather outsource. Something you do that you would rather not do. Ah, <laughs> uh, um, ooh. Well, um, I'm not sure. Something I do that I would rather not do. I think now I'm happy to be re relieved of the whole portion of writing out stuff. I mean, in the beginning, gosh, when we were doing the website, um, I had to be the one to write out all of those things. I mean, descriptions of exhibitions, artist bios, I mean, doing all of that. So luckily, as the fair has grown and as... Um, the, the field has widened. We have great art writers now. Thank God we can have them on board and they can do all of that. You know, the, the interviewing, the writing about exhibitions, the, the talking to artists and, um, you know, and um, doing things like, um, which used to be in the catalog, but it, which is now um, on the website. So I think that would be it. Yeah, I and not write those things anymore. <laughs> I understand. And, you know, you, you've talked about, you know, all the different aspects of work that you take on in all of these projects. How do you balance the creative and practical aspects of doing all of these things? Oh, gosh. Um, with the art fair, as I mentioned, it, we started out with our vision of how we want the edition of that year to turn out. So a lot in the beginning, a lot of the discussion is really about art and what we want to convey and what we want the audience to learn. And once that, I guess the big picture is settled, then the practicalities are, you know, is, is what has to be looked out for. Mm. So the art comes first, the big and in the end, it's really like balancing all the logistical concerns. Yeah, and I think with your work for the PHX Fashion Group, that is such a great example also of balancing the creative and the practical because you're also thinking about how to push these businesses out, right? Into yeah. the market. Well, that for me is I super enjoy because um, maybe because I'm there to like advise and listen and learn rather than actually do the, the organizing and the vetting. I, so that that's fun. <laughs> Sounds good. And how do you pay attention to both the digital and analog? I mean, you've mentioned that, you know, you want to kind of move everything back into the physical. But of course, as we move into this post-pandemic world, there will be things that will remain online. So oh, what yeah. are you envisioning, I guess, for next year's um, editions of Alpha Philippines? And I mean, I know you're still working on Art in the Park, but like, you know, what <laughs> is your dream for, for next year? Um. Definitely going digital has widened our audience, especially for art in the park. So um, I, it might have to go hand in hand. I'm not sure exactly how. One thing for sure, our talks program has really managed to reach out to a wider audience by going digital. I mean, we've, um, we've been able to invite resource persons that maybe we wouldn't have if we had to fly them in or fit um, Art Fair Philippines or a talks program into their schedule. But because you can do stuff over Zoom, like how we're doing it now, right? I mean, uh, it's just been easier to organize um, lectures and um, webinars. And that has been great. That has been great. Um, our audience has increased. And it's wonderful that you can, um, you can 
that that it's so easy now to like um, to touch base with with people who you would probably have only seen by flying into an art fair or like um, going into a biennale. Yeah, that makes sense. I want to also ask you about um, you know whether you've made a mistake that you know changed the way you did things or that you remember to this day. <laughs> oh gosh. Um, there might be too many to mention. <laughs> Every year is a gamble, and um, oh, we've had our share of mistakes, um, both logistically planning for something that didn't quite work out, or like um, I remember. Um, I guess when we had Botero coming in, I think it was twenty nineteen. We didn't anticipate the logistics of bringing the work into the Philippines. And um, it was the first time we actually um, shipped works in um, of that magnitude. And oh my gosh, uh, the, the works didn't arrive in time <laughs> for the art fair. It came like after two or two days. So uh, yeah, so I think now something we've learned that we better plan better and uh, make sure we have all bases covered before we embark on something um, with a big name like that. Yeah, that's an interesting one to talk about because, you know, sometimes you don't know what you don't know until yeah. it happens, right? And yeah. I guess that's an example of that. Well, thank yeah, you. Yeah, <laughs> candid. I mean, even our relationships with our exhibitors and um, how we do things, I mean, somehow it's, you realize you have to keep communicating because sometimes it's something you think you know why you're doing something. But it's not clear to um, people who are invested in the fair why you're doing something, and it, it can open like a lot of misunderstandings. So those things also you learn as you go along. Mm, that makes sense. So what is your biggest challenge or bugbear in in running, I guess, Philippine art events? Um, it's also getting, um, I guess, our participants on board with the vision. As I said, it's like um, widening the audience for the visual arts. And sometimes it means doing something that um, we strongly believe in, but people other, our, our, our exhibitors may not really buy into. I mean, for in, it, it may not meet their goals, for instance, to like um, open the fair longer hours because, um, you know, people want to come in early. And of course, it's not fun to, to, to be in the fair at 10 a.m., but we get a lot of students who want to come in early. So I think negotiating things like that, or even when we did um, the NFT showcase in 2021, um, you know, th those were early days for NFTs. But the, and we started planning that because I attended the conference in June 2020, and I was like, what is this? This was months before people, right? And, I remember talking to Lisa and Dinan about it and saying, we have to like bring it in because people are talking about it globally, but it wasn't easy maybe for art, um, for the, for the uh, traditional art exhibitors to like, to understand why we were giving so much focus on this, but there was a huge crypto art community that I just felt we had to bring into the fold. So, so even that um, devoting the attention of, and the resources of a certain year's fair to a group that um, is, I guess, is different from, from the other people who are joining the fair. I mean, things like that, you always have to keep negotiating. Yeah. Right? And in the end, you can't please everybody. You just have to balance things out. 
True. I mean, you have to address that change, that shift, and then you're yeah. kind of wanting to bring everyone with you, but then that takes some finesse. Yes. Um, yeah. Yeah. Could you share, you know, a source of inspiration that has been particularly uplifting recently, like whether, you know, with travel or, you know, just something they've been listening to or reading? Okay. At the height of the pandemic, I remember, I think it was the first or second time the freeze went online and there was a conversation between Rashid Johnson, who is, I totally love, an artist I totally love, with Nicholas Kolinan of um, the National Portrait Gallery. Um, and I remember Rashid saying that um, his work, there's not always a hidden agenda and you don't need a tremendous amount of knowledge to understand what you see. Art objects don't always have to be profound. I mean, it's silly to think that. And I thought, I mean, he's correct. I mean, art shouldn't make you feel dumb, <laughs> right? I mean, sometimes you just love something and for what it is. And he said, I remember, it took time for me to forgive myself for thinking that beauty was okay. I suppose because his works are beautiful and they're easy to appreciate. And of course there's a deeper meaning into his works, but, um, but he, he um, expresses it in a way which, which, um, which is very inclu inclusive. So yeah, so it's, I guess the same um, qualities I look for when I fall in love with something or I find a piece that I really, really love. I mean, it doesn't have to be difficult. It's something you just fall in love with. And I guess that's why we love art, right? Because, <laughs> you know, um, how it makes us feel like in the gut, in a, in the gut so yeah I don't know if I'm making sense no you're, you're making total sense and and I like that you know yeah beauty is okay because sometimes now we're thinking like no it needs to be intellectual and yes yeah. strong. but yeah I think you know what makes us fall in love with art in the first place is the beauty and then we dig deeper and then we might like it even more for the ideas yes, yes. Um, yeah well, I, I wanted to ask a, a last question. Looking back at your creative journey so far, um, you know, in both, you know, art and fashion, and of course, with your work with the hotels and, and all of these wonderful things that you've done with your career thus far, how have the zigzags led you to where you are today? It's funny because I always tell my kids, the way to the top, the road to the top of a mountain is zigzag. We're not rocket ships. You don't blast and go straight up to something. I mean, that's impossible. So. Um, I mean, you're the title of this podcast is a zigzag, and I think I've embodied that in that um, my career has been a zigzag. It's been different fields, but um, everything has contributed to what I'm doing now, which I really love. And um, I'm happy I've, I went through all of that to, because it really has helped me uh, with mm -hmm. where I am today and what I'm doing today. And what do you look forward to achieving in the years to come? Is it continuing with what you're doing right now? Or are you also eyeing another project? Um, I have a few things in mind, which I'd like to do, bucket lists, which I'd like to do. But next year, Art Fair Philippines will be 10 years old. Then I just want to get to that first. Okay, well, thank you so much, Tricky, for spending time with us today um, and telling us about how you went from A to zigzag. <laughs> I look forward to Art in the Park, which is taking place from 24th April to 1st May um, online, as well yeah. as in Manila uh, on the 28th of April. And if you'd like to hear about more creative practices in Southeast Asia, please subscribe to the podcast or follow us on Instagram at from A to zigzag. Till the next episode, bye. 
Bye, Nadia. Thank you so much.